Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to a new episode of I Can Do. I hope and pray all is well with you. I have to tell you, I'm really excited. I think I say that every time I have a a guest on the show, especially for this conversation that I'm going to share with you today. Really excited to share this conversation with you. Um, Before we get started, I would recommend that you listen to this conversation at least twice, all right? There's so much information that you are going to get from this podcast today and it's really going to serve you well. I listened to the conversation again as I went back and did some editing and just being able to jot down so much. I was really excited and I'm going to be sharing some of these nuggets and thoughts and words of wisdom from this episode on my different platforms throughout the week. So who is on the show today? I've been talking so much about it. Who is actually on the show today? Well, I had the wonderful opportunity to speak to Brigadier General Ronald E. Jolly Sr. Ron has spent his adult life as an airman, having retired from the Air Force January 1st, 2022, with 30-plus years of service. His bio in the Air Force is extensive, and I just want to say thank you so much, Ron, for your service. Talking to Ron and getting to know him over the last year, Ron is very humble in nature. He is a husband and he has three children. He was raised in a faith-filled household. And as you listen to this conversation, you will hear how his faith in Jesus has impacted him and helped him along in his journey. He recently created an LLC called R Jolly Consulting Services to provide logistics and leadership consulting and mentoring. Now, Ron has a wealth of experience, and he shares so much in this conversation. We discussed quite a bit, including what it means to be a leader, the importance of being a servant leader, the statement that he has said to me a few times, I am third, and what that actually means, how to make big decisions under pressure and just in general in life. The importance of being committed to the decisions that we make, the biggest hindrance that can hold us back from accomplishing what we want in our lives, why taking care of your people, whether that's in your job or at your job or even in your home, is so important, why quitting is not an option, and distinguishing between when people are providing true feedback versus complaining, asking the right questions, and how to get unstuck from the past. Now, if you're interested in any of those subjects, then this is the podcast episode for you. Thank you so much, Ron, again, for your service, for your humility, and also for your leadership. Here we go. Ron, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? And you know, I'm jolly as usual. It's an everyday (laughs) thing for me. I love it. You have one of the best last names ever. That's right. That's right. I live by it. I live by it. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, a couple of thoughts before we get started. First, uh, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know our uh, mutual friend, Shane, 
uh, connected us. I think it was last year. So we've had some conversations throughout then, and uh, that's been really encouraging for me. Second, I want to say thank you for your 30 plus years of, of service uh, in the Air Force and in the um, uh, for our country as a whole. So thank you for that. I loved it, man. I, I loved it. And, you know, I, I'm blessed to have had the opportunity to continue to serve for that long. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, good Lord has directed me somewhere else. And so I'm just trying to follow his lead. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for allowing me to call you Ron. Uh, just looking at your bio, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So I appreciate in all seriousness. I appreciate your humility. Uh, I think that says something about you and your heart and just uh, and just who you are as a person. Uh, I, I want to begin really with your journey into the Air Force. And you, we've been communicating back and forth via email. So when you shared some uh, additional information about your family, uh, your family has a history of service uh, in, in some shape or form. When did you know that you wanted to go down the same path and, and get into the military, specifically the uh, Air Force? So, you know, when I left high school, I did not have a desire to go into the military. Uh, I got an engineering scholarship and I was off to school at Oklahoma State University. Okay. Uh, and my father had served 30 years in the Army and fought in Korea and Vietnam and so I'm, I was a military brat, but just there wasn't a desire. Um, but it, while I was a sophomore, I decided, hey, there's Army ROTC over here. So I'm going to go take a class. And it was, it was more like an orientation class, but it was a whole semester. So I sat through Army ROTC and I go, you know, this this really isn't bad. So I went home for summer break and I sat down with my dad and I said, hey, dad, you know what? I, I think I want to try this military. I think I want to go ROTC and uh, try this out. And he sat there and he goes, hey, that's great. I just asked you to do one thing. Please mm. go Air Force. And, I, <laughs> and, and that kind of shocked me. And uh, I said, well, well, why? And, you know, his response was and has always been he felt that the um, the Air Force really did a great job of treating their airmen and their families. And, you know, he, he had been in the Army and that was that was his you know, opinion. So that was interesting. And then the second piece was I was studying engineer and he really felt that the Air Force was probably the most technologically advanced service. And he said, you know, go put your engineering skills to work in the Air Force. I don't want you to go Army and be, you know, infantry, artillery, a tank, you know, tank driver. I don't want you to do that. I want you to really go use your your engineering skills. So with that I went back to school, signed up for Air Force ROTC, and I never looked back. Uh, mm -hmm. I found that uh, after a while, I just felt, you know, this this was my calling. This was truly my calling. And so I went in the Air Force, never looked back. And here I am, you know, 31 years later. Yeah. So you finished school then. Right. And mm -hmm. what, what did the time commitment look like when you were in ROTC and going to school? Uh Man, it was, I mean, it was tight. <laughs> yeah. It was tight uh, having to do my schoolwork, having to do uh, ROTC. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I was just fully committed to school um, because I had to get the degree in order to become a commissioned officer. So uh, yeah. my real focus was getting that engineering degree. And then secondary, honestly, was ROTC. But I had to, I had to balance those two. Uh, so and then once I came out, it was a four year commitment um, after finishing ROTC. And gotcha. 
four years, four years is nothing. Uh, and I really just enjoyed what I was doing. So yeah. I stayed, I stayed and, you know, I just, man, it was just awesome. I, yeah. I was, it was just awesome. So Ron, you were pretty, you, it sounds like you're very determined. You had a clear path. You had a father figure, you know, growing up, my, my dad was not around. And I know for a lot of young men uh, as a whole, that often happens too. So that was great that you had dad there that you could talk to and bounce things off of. Um, for those who are listening and even for young people, and I'm sure you share a lot of wisdom and advice to a lot of young people, sometimes young people have a hard time figuring out what they want to do, uh, especially in college. You know, people can start off with the goal of four years and then it just kind of keeps on expanding. What advice would you give someone like, did you ever have any second doubts? Like after you made the decision, was it just like, nope, that's it. I'm just moving forward. Was that just part of your personality? How did you handle, did I make the right decision? Am I making the right decision? And then what kind of wisdom would you want young people to, 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 to know today when making big decisions? Cause that, that's a life changing decision that you're going to go serve. Um, what wisdom would you want to share? Yeah. So I think first of all is, yeah, there's a lot of introspection that I did okay. uh, prior to no kidding signing on that dotted line. Yeah, say okay, I'm committed. So I took that very seriously because I understood the oath uh, of office, mm-hmm. and, and even my father had uh, he, you know, clearly he made it clear. You know, understand what the oath means, understand what the commitment means, and I had opportunities outside of going into the military that were presented to me as I was going through school and being around uh, very close friends that were going through engineering school. And they were, you know, they were going off to do engineering work at these, you know, really big corporations. So it was really, it, it really came down to one for me, it was service. Okay. Uh, how, how could I give back to my nation? And I thought service was important. Uh, not that it has to be mandatory, I just thought it was important. That was an important way that I could give back to my nation, to my country, but was to serve. Once I made the commitment, though, it was I never had any second thoughts about um, should I have gone in? No, it was, hey, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to press forward from there. Yeah, I, I would say for for young people, take the time to no kidding. What is it that you really want to do? I think that's the first step. Once you decide what you want to do and get after it, mm-hmm. don't let anybody else get in your way or talk you out of it. If it is something that you have a passion, you have this burning desire to do it, go forth and conquer because there's nothing out there that will stop you except for you. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I know doubt can creep in and you're exactly right. The, the biggest hindrance sometimes uh, is ourselves. So you're in the Air Force. Um, what are some of the biggest lessons you've taken away? There's, I know you have tons of stories with 30 plus years <laughs> of service. Uh, we could talk for hours, but what, what have been some of those? If there's three or four big lessons or one big one that has just stuck with you that you're sharing to your family today and to people that you mentor, uh, what might some of those big lessons be? So watching my father as he led uh, when he was in the service was really eye-opening for me. So I, I, really the biggest lesson I learned, it started with advice from my father. And the biggest lesson was take care of your people. Mm. 
you you're, you'll have a mission set that you have to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta take care of your people because if you take care of your people, that means you're taking care of their health and well being as best as you can, and you're giving them the training that they need to accomplish the mission. You take care of your people; they will take care of the mission. Mm. So I think that was really the biggest lesson I learned. But it also it also informed me and my leadership ability to really become that servant leader. And for me to to lead is to serve. And as you're leading, you have to understand that you you also are serving your people, your airmen, soldiers, sailors, Marines, guardians. You're serving them. And if you can put them in front of you and not be self-consumed with what you want and need, man, it just opens pathways. It opens pathways for you to execute the mission more efficiently and effectively. But you're also teaching your airmen, soldiers, sailors, Marines, guardians, you're teaching your people how to grow. Mm -hmm. And you're giving them that opportunity to grow. And you can lead and guide and influence but let them go. And so to me, that's that's part of that servant leadership that I saw in my father. Gotcha. I wanted I wanted some of that because my father, when he two years before he retired from the army, he accepted his calling into the ministry. And mm-hmm. so when he retired, he became the pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. So I saw that servant leadership firsthand and it just worked. And that's what I tried to that's what I tried to concentrate on in my leadership style was to be the leader for the for the airmen and put them in front, mm-hmm. give them the guidance, but put them in front and let them go. So yeah. I think that's really that the biggest lesson I learned is really to take care of your people. Uh, I love that. And it segues into I know we're going to talk a lot about leadership. You mentioned something. I can't remember if it was the first time we talked or the second time, but it stuck with me. I am third. Is that correct? I am that third. And it feels That's like correct. you're touching on that. Tell the audience, what does that mean? <laughs> I am third. That stuck with me. Uh, what does that mean? So growing up um, in a faith-filled house, that's something that my father, uh, that, that was kind of our family motto. I'm third. God first, my fellow man second, and I'm third. And so that was something that he taught us. But it was, it, it, and, and I say he taught us, that's something that he believed. And to us, it was just, it was part of our Bible studies. Uh, you know, be there for the people, put them in front, uh, and God's going to take care of you. So that's a, that's a family motto that we've had for since, since I can remember is I'm third. Nice. Uh, a question that came to my mind as I was just kind of preparing for this, you're, you're a man of faith, your, your family are, are, are people of faith. Um, how did that impact your Air Force career? You just kind of touched on that with the idea of I am third. Uh, you know, sometimes people may not always want uh, others to know about their Christianity, um, but obviously you're very strong in your faith and your family. Um, walk us through how did that help you? How did that impact you in your in your career? Um, always leaning on my faith. Uh, and I, 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 I tell people a lot that any, any good qualities that you may see in me, mm-hmm. you thank my mother and father for that. Yeah. Those, if you see something bad, some bad qualities, that's all on me. Gotcha. That is all on me. 
And so as I walked that journey, that Air Force journey, um, I, you know, I had to lean on my faith. I made mistakes. So you don't you don't get to the, the position that I was in without making some mistakes. And so I realized the imperfections that I have and also knew that I didn't know everything and I'm, ne- I'm not always going to make the right decision. So I made mistakes. But I learned from those mistakes and I moved forward and I, I did my best to not make the same mistakes twice. Mm. Uh, so, but a lot of that was just, you know, I would lean on my faith. I'll share a story with you yes. that, uh, you know, I, I, I've shared many a times. Quitting is not an option. So at one point early in my career, um, I just I had a I had a bad boss. He's toxic. Uh, I was doing everything I could to really help help him identify that, but also just I'm I'm struggling at the time. I'm struggling. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I called my mother one day and I I just went, I just went off. I said, Mama, you know, this is this is it's it's crazy. Uh, the guy's just not right. I pray for him, but he's just not right. And uh, I, you know, I'm tired of this. So I know that I have some opportunities on the outside. I still have some connections on the outside. And I said, you know, I can go get a job. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm definitely tired of this. And, you know, I'll hang up the uniform. So after about five minutes of just straight talking and kind of ranting, uh, my mother goes, okay, so are you done? <laughs> are, you, are you finished talking? Uh, yes, ma'am. She said, are you sure? Because I want to give you all the time you need to talk this out. I said, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm done. She said, okay, good. So you're going to tell me, you're going to let a an individual, a man, de- decide for you that you don't want to follow your passion of service. Mm. Is that what you're telling me? And I, I had to sit there for a moment and I go, hmm, uh, well, and, you know, my mother, bless her heart, she's like, yeah, that's what I thought. So mm-hmm. I need you to get <laughs> off the phone and go to work because you got things to do. Don't call me with this kind of nonsense because quitting is not an option. What? You understand me, son? Yes, ma'am. Okay, bye, because I got things to do. And she hung that right there, that, yeah. that, I mean, I had no other words because yeah. she was exactly right. And uh, as much as I was leaning on my faith, what she, she, she pointed out, one, perseverance. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, quitting is not an option. But that imperfection of, in me that my faith had faltered because I was just praying. I was like, man, what? this is crazy. Well, Shortly after that phone call, within just a couple of weeks, the situation changed completely. Wow. Changed completely. Yeah. And all I could do is sit there and lower my head for a moment because I was like, man, I cannot believe I called my mom to tell her I was going to quit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in our our DNA. But it sounds like, I mean, that was almost a perfect thing. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes because I think many times a lot of people will make the decision and then will tell people, uh, but if you can have that gap, almost like a gap moment or like that ponder, let me wait and see kind of moment. So 
Um, that that's fantastic. And that's what I was thinking too. Did the situation change? How quickly did it? And it seems like it works like that quite a bit sometimes where like we're right on the edge, but if we, if we're just patient, uh, I was running this morning and just thinking about uh, early Christianity, you know, the, the gospel continued to spread in the second, third, fourth centuries. And there's a book I read called the patient ferment of the early church. And just really talked about how so many of the, the lessons at that time or sermons or writings were about patience. And that's not something we necessarily enjoy, but that sounds like what your mom was telling you. Yeah, you can't quit. And the way that she framed it, that's that's something else I think is really important for people to have mentors or someone else to talk to because she she forced you to realize, oh, wait a second. That's exactly what I was going to do. So that's a a fantastic story. And it's more than just like some motivational post on uh, social media, right? Quitting is not an option because in the real world, it it does get very hard, you know, where, how do we persevere? And when do we say, okay, enough is enough. So uh, now that's a fantastic story. Um, So your mom and dad have played a major role in your life, uh, which is, uh, I I love to hear that. We've talked a little bit. You've you brought up leadership. So John Maxwell, he's an author. Uh, he used to do some preaching in one of his books, and he has a ton of books, by the way. He talks about how everything rises and falls with leadership. That's what I'm hearing from you. You had leadership with your dad, with your mom, and this leadership that you gave to others as well. A, a couple of questions with that. First, what exact? How would you define leadership? Because uh, a lot of people, there's so many books out there. Um, I think you just gave a great story of what leadership is, but if people are looking for a definition, a lot of people are striving to become leaders. What is leadership to you? I, you know, I really think uh, th- there's multiple definitions. I mean, it's it's expansive. To me, it's you know having that having that ability to really bring people together, you know, in, influence them, guide them, bring them together collaborate, build strong teams, and then let them go and succeed. Mm. Uh, because, uh, and again, it's, it's part of that servant leadership for me is, hey, you, you're in that leadership position, you're leading, um, but sometimes you know, leadership is action. Leadership is definitely action. It, it is not passive, it is action. So you're gonna go out there and do. But sometimes leadership is inaction in the fact that you don't have to take action. Mm-hmm. You can let you can let an individual make that decision, support them. And then after their action is complete and you get a result, you can give them feedback. That's part of leadership, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really just being able to influence and yep. really learn to build and collaborate and passing that on to your subordinates, your superiors, being able to pass that on. I think that's a, that's a major part of leadership, mm-hmm. but definitely there's a little bit of, uh, and I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't use the term inaction, but it's giving others the opportunity to lead. And then you can give them feedback uh, about how they were successful or not. So that again, everybody's going to make mistakes and you have to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And then you go out, get that feedback, and then you do your best so that you don't make that same mistake again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So what's standing out to me then I'm, I'm taking notes here too, by the way, um, action, I would agree with you as well with inaction where, um, part of, part of growth is allowing people to see, okay, you know, how, how are they going to listen? Are they going to listen? And, you know, how do they make those choices? Uh, and, but ultimately, yeah, I think you're right. Influence, because if you're a leader, but no one's listening to you or following you or emulating you, how much influence, uh, do, do we really have? So talk to us. It seems like everybody, maybe everybody's not the right word, but there's a lot of, you and I both love to read, and there's a lot of inf- or a lot of focus on leadership. Uh, Jocko Willink, for example, uh, you know, a lot of military uh, men and women who are um, talking about this, which is really important. And someone's looking to become a better leader. Uh, how does someone become a better leader? Is it as easy as reading a book, is it as, you know, and I think a lot of times people want the easy path. So talk to us, to, to, to people who are listening, how do, how do you mature and, and get to this point of being a leader? And yeah, I'd say there is no, there is no easy path. I think there, there are some great books out there that give you some tips. Um, but again, leadership has to be action oriented, but it's just like a, an athlete, mm-hmm. a musician, how do they become good athletes and musicians? Mm. Well, they put the time in to practice. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to be an active leader in order to become a better leader. You have to recognize your own shortfalls mm. and fix that in order to become a better leader. You can read the books. Uh, and I encourage that because they will, they will give you some great tips, but if you read the books and you sit at your desk and that's the only thing you do is read the book, <laughs> no, no action, no effort into it. You're not going to become better. It's just like a drummer that sits down with the drumsticks, but doesn't play. <laughs> you're not going to become better. That's right. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's part of that growing as a leader. Yeah. Um, and be willing to take feedback from others. You have to be willing to take that feedback. You don't want group thinking. You don't want, you don't want to be around a group of what we call the, the yes men or the yes women. That that's, you know, whatever you say, whatever you say, no, you, you have to, you have to be willing to take that feedback. And sometimes that feedback, oh, it's going it, to, it, it might cut you. It might get you by surprise. But the last thing you want to do is feel that it, it's a personal attack and you just want to retaliate. No, you got to, you got to take that, do some, do some introspection again and go, okay, do I, do I understand the feedback that they are giving me? If I don't go back and ask, can you further clarify? Once you understand that feedback, then it the next step should be, okay, how do I fix that? How do I do better the next time? Mm-hmm. What, what, what decision did I make that may have sent this whole thing off the rails? Yeah. Yeah. You got to take that feedback. And then you have, as a leader, again, it's action. You have to act on that feedback to become better. Um, how, how easy was that for you when you first got started with feedback? Uh, when I worked with Pfizer, I would, uh, my district manager would, would ride in the car with me once a month and they would stand right next to me when I give, gave a presentation to my uh, physicians. And that, that was nerve wracking at times because you want to do everything exactly right. 
And then when I went to this preacher training program back in 2009, every Friday I would have to preach my sermon in front of two other preachers, just the three of us in this large auditorium. And one of them, you know, they both had a sheet of paper and a red pen. And, you know, I, I could see their heads sometimes going like this. Uh, how were you able to, to prop? Because I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people. Feedback, whether it's good, because sometimes people can question, are, they, are you know, are they being sincere? But then the feedback that can that can kind of cut you right to the heart, like your mom gave you, like, I'm going to hang up the phone now because I have stuff to do and you need to keep doing this. So walk us through that. Um how quickly were you able to adapt with that kind of feedback? What did the feedback look like in the first few years? And as you continue to increase in your responsibilities? Um, I had to, I, I definitely had to adapt to it. And, and it took, it took years. And at the same time, I'm still doing it. I'm still learning how to take feedback. I think the first, the first uh, feedback that I got um, I'll, I'll give you two examples. One was from was from my supervisor. Uh, I had made a decision. I, I'm aircraft maintenance, and uh, I was working a, a night shift, and I made a decision to do some reconfigurations of the aircraft for the next day based on information that I had. And when they came in the next day, and we saw what the schedule looked like, um, I, I made a I made a wrong decision on a couple of aircraft. And my boss gave me some very direct feedback. Um, I will say in aircraft maintenance, we have a tendency to eat our own, as they say. It was very colorful feedback. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, she, she let me have it, but it was a, it was a, it was a teaching moment and a learning moment for me. And she let me have it, but she told me why the decision was not the right decision and how it affected the long-term uh, process of the day. So that was, that was one that I, so I didn't take it very well. You know, when you, you're standing there at attention and your, your, your boss is giving you feedback. Uh, I didn't take that one very well, but I learned and, and I understood why she gave me that feedback in the way she did. We are great friends to this day. Yeah. Yeah. But she gave me some good feedback. So another instance, I thought everything was going well. I'm out on the flight line. We're doing an exercise. And I really thought uh, our team was performing well and everything was going as according to plan. And when it didn't, when, when they threw some uh, hiccups in there, you know, we adapted and everything. So I thought everything was going well. My, I'm a second, I'm a first lieutenant out there. My group commander in his car, staff car drives up on the flight line, calls me over and chewed my butt. And I was like, well, I'm sitting there going, why am I receiving this feedback? And after he chewed my butt, then he told me, here's why. I didn't ask him, but he told me, here's why. Mm -hmm. And it was another one of those, it was a teaching moment and a mm -hmm. learning moment. And so now from then on, I did a little more because what I thought was going well wasn't, and it was, to me, it was my own fault because I didn't take the extra steps to ask the right questions to ensure that we were on track. Had I done that, I would have seen, oops, there's something that, that's going to be a problem and we need to address it now. So I started doing that 
which helped me with one, my, my leadership and refining my leadership and my role as a leader. Um, but two, preparing myself because, hey, feedback is feedback. And sometimes it's not going to be good. So you better, you better be prepared to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so with that mindset, I, I, I felt that I really started to grow from there and really be accepting to feedback. But at the same time, as I became more senior, you know, you, you have to, some of it you have to take with a grain of salt. Uh, some people will give feedback anonymously and you, you're, you're going, what are they talking about? Where did that yep. come from? Yep. And you just go, okay, I, I got it, but I don't think I need to take any action on this because it's, it's more of a complaint than really good feedback. And yeah. so you learn how to filter some of that feedback to know what's what's really good feedback and then what's just is is is, a, is it a complaint is it a personal attack because I can't do anything about those but I'll focus on those that I can uh, fix uh, that's going to be in the best interest of not me but in the best interest of the organization. Mm, no, that, that's really good. So a couple of things that stood out to me the the examples that you use both times, both of these individuals told you why. And that, that's something that is really important. I think when we think about feedback and maybe that's a way that we can understand feedback uh, versus like complaining. Cause I've, I've seen that before as well, where people will say something or share something, but they're not really telling you why they're just kind of just making some statements or things like that. And so I think there's something there you also mentioned, it sounds like you went, th- when you talk about the going the extra mile, ex- like over communicating, would that be a, gr- a good way to describe uh, like where you're asking more questions just for the sake of, okay, if I can just eliminate even going down this path or wasting time or creating more work, you're just better off to over communicate. Is that, is that accurate to say? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it is because uh, when you're asking questions, uh, we used to say, don't don't play stump the dummy. You're not trying to embarrass anyone. You're just trying to make sure you have all the details that you need in order to make the decision gotcha. or to to in order to make sure that things are going well. So asking the right questions. And, and that is also a process that you learn. You, you don't walk in just knowing what questions to ask. Um, after a while, you get that experience and you learn what questions you should be asking. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to get it right either. Mm-hmm. But you have to put forth the effort to make sure that you are asking so that, and plus it, it helps with everyone else that's around you. You don't do it in a vacuum. You're asking these questions because it might spurn other questions from people who are around you that actually feeds that information flow that you need. Mm-hmm. So, not stump the dummy. Just make sure you're getting all the right details so that the team can be synchronized and going towards that same goal in the execution of the mission. Did you find that you got less feedback the higher you up and the higher you went with respect to your positions and your status? I'm asking that because as people, you know, climb the ladder or however you want to describe it, people actually get somewhat nervous to actually give some kind of feedback. And so one of the things with those two stories, by them giving that and saying those things to you, they helped you long-term. And do you find that more challenging? You know, you've been serving now for 30 plus years. 
what does that look like today? Obviously, it's not going to be the same kind of feedback or maybe even the same method, right? But is that something that you have seen, uh, not maybe just with the Air Force, but in general, that the higher you go, it does become harder to actually find someone who's going to be, who's going to give you some straight talk? Yes, I absolutely agree. And part of it is that there are some, they have valid feedback and they'll, they'll, they'll try and push that up the chain um, and it gets filtered and, mm. and that's wrong. So the way that I tried to address that was to give the right opportunity and provide the right venue for them to give me feedback. So as a, for instance, as a, as a wing commander, I would have lunch or no, I would have breakfast uh, with a group of, of airmen, very young airmen on the staff uh, in the wing. And I would try and rotate every week. So it's a group of airmen, then it's a group of uh, non-commissioned officers, then it's a group of senior non-commissioned officers, then it's a group of junior uh, company grade officers and then field grade officers. And so it was a six, about a six week rotation and it provided them the opportunity to, no kidding, I'd ask them, hey, guys, how are we doing? How are we doing as a wing? How are we doing as an organization? How can I do better? Give me, give me feedback. Let me interrupt real quickly and forgive my ignorance. All of these individuals that you're eating with for breakfast, are, they, are you their superior? So, yeah, I'll break it down. As the wing commander, the installation commander, you're the, you're the person at the top. Gotcha. And then you have groups, uh, basically groups in the next level. Mm-hmm. And then you have squadrons that belong to the groups. Okay. So I'm pulling for my, my meetings, my breakfast, I'm pulling from the squadron level. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. All the way down to even the youngest airmen. I'm pulling from there to have breakfast, to give them the venue to talk directly with me. Gotcha. And then, okay, sorry to interrupt. How did that, um, <laughs> no um, I guess I wanted to interrupt because I wanted to make sure I understood that. Because what you're doing is you're you're giving basically everybody a voice. That's what yes. it sounds like. So how yeah. did that work? Uh, I thought it went well. I always walked out of there with a couple of notes of things that I would take back and I'd tell you know my vice, my chief, my staff, hey, this is this is good feedback. We need to address this. We need to find out what's going on. Um, so it was it was very productive to do that. And you know, some the the young airmen at I found it interesting. We'd have, <clears throat> excuse me, we'd have breakfast and I tell them, Hey, we're going to have breakfast and then we're just going to talk. We're going to have a conversation and I'm opening it up to you. I'm not going to talk at you. I want you to talk with me and I'll open it up. And after, after about 10 minutes, you get the one, the one individual that would <laughs> kick it off. And then next thing, you know, yeah. you know, hands are going up because they all want to talk. And that was the goal. Yeah. Let them let them tell me how we are doing from their perspective. Their perspective is very valuable, and I want to know. So I let it go, and I got some great feedback through yeah. those branches. And I think there's something there. I think that's another. Obviously, it's another aspect of leadership. Uh, you're available to the people. You're you're not just wanting to to lead them and influence them, but you're you're opening <laughs> yourself up where you're you're with them and i think that says something a lot your mom and dad influenced you a lot with leadership um who in the military influenced you the most if you can share 
was there a go-to person that you could pick up the phone and call or go to their office? Um, looking at your bio here, it's uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable with uh, the service I was just looking at here. Um, you've you commanded aircraft maintenance organizations of both the group and squadron level supporting flying operations uh, for a variety of aircrafts and has deployed on multiple occasions in support of operations, Southern Watch, Northern Watch, Enduring Freedom, and Iraqi Freedom. So who was that person that you could turn to in these pressure-filled moments to, to, to give you guidance? Oh, man, there's a, there's a couple of them. Um, well, I'll say my my senior mentor mm-hmm. is uh, General Retired Larry Spencer. So he was the former vice chief of staff of the Air Force. And, you know, you talk about you want to have a, a mentor relationship where you literally can pick up the phone at any time, day or night and and call and, and just talk. And General Spencer has given me that opportunity and he's just such an excellent mentor uh, of mine. And I I can't thank him enough because he has given me some very wise and sage guidance throughout my career. I also have a a good friend, uh, Major General Stacy Hawkins, and he and I came up together uh, in the Air Force and we're both aircraft maintenance officers. And between him and uh, uh, Colonel retired Jason Childs, Colonel Chris Daniels. I mean, it's just a small circle where it's another one of those day or night, you pick up the phone and call and they do the same. And they yeah. have, it may be an issue. It may, you know, it's an issue or it's a, it's a celebration of, of, of an accomplishment that we share with each other. But I feel that we really mentor each other and providing, because what I like most is, um, when we're when we're discussing different things and maybe some uh, challenges, it's the different perspective. It is the different perspective that each one will provide. And that has helped me immensely uh, throughout my career. And then I have one uh, one in particular, uh, a U.S. Uh, Marine retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Art Stovall. Mm. He has been we, he and I have been the best of friends since we were 12 years old. Wow. (laughs) This guy is just, he's an amazing individual. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because we're together. We're like the, we're like the odd couple. Okay. I'm I'm an introvert and uh, he is truly an extrovert. Yeah. Uh, And it's just, we, we're, it's different ends of the spectrum, but we're, we're close just like we're brothers, but it's his, his perspective. Whenever I have an issue and I just want to talk, you know, he, he provides something that uh, I'll, I'll always say, dang, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think about that. Uh, so has always been in my corner uh, throughout, you know, 43 years that we've been best friends. Yeah, I love to hear that, too, with um, having men in your corner, because sometimes that can be hard for for men with pride and, and ego, but actually, you know, being vulnerable and being able to 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 encourage one another. Clearly, with your career, uh, you had to practice uh, discipline. I want to talk about that a little bit here. Um, Discipline, uh, I know Jocko talks about this too, discipline equals freedom. The Bible talks about it as well. The Holy Spirit said it a long time ago. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Walk us through discipline and 
a lot of people seem to lack the discipline to whatever it is. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's following through. Uh, what things have you done or what has helped you along the way to improve your discipline, whether it's in your uh, your uh, Air Force career, your, your your the things you're doing personally in your home, the day to day things that that we all have to do. I think what's helped me the most is just regimentation. I okay. find that that really helps me stay disciplined. Uh, it's it's a process. Whenever I would have a a challenge and a decision to make, I would walk myself through a process, and that was part of just that, my discipline. Can I ask what that process was? That's I'm very curious. You said when you had a, a decision to make. So Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, I, there's a book I read about him about uh, navigating risk. So he would have four questions. Can you share like when you had a big decision to make? What did that look like? What was that process? Yeah. So from the be- from the beginning, um, I would always talk with my staff. And it's always this is unemotional, fact-based decision-making. That's, that's how you have to start. So what are the facts? And that's, that's number one for me is laying out what the facts are. Getting rid of the emotion, because a lot of people will get caught up in emotions and uh, make a bad decision. So getting rid of the emotions and recognizing that I'm gonna have some bias. So that's part of getting rid of the emotion getting rid of the bias. Now lay out the facts. Uh, And then I would just step through what's the end state that we're trying to get to? What is the problem that we are trying to answer or solve, excuse me, or what's the question that we're trying to answer? What's the problem that we're trying to solve? And then after I have my facts, now I'm gonna walk through and probably come up with two or uh, three or four codes, uh, courses of action, and then study each one of those and make the best decision I can with the facts that I have, knowing the complete situation. Mm. So that's how that's how I would step through things. And I still do that today. It's helpful. I mean, it, it is helpful. I think as a leader, the one of the I think one of the most challenging things that you have to do as a leader is recognize that you're going to have some bias. You are going to have some bias and you have got to recognize it and then put it off to the side. Because if you're inserting your bias in the decision making, well, then that bias will turn it into an emotional decision. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that you want to do because then it's not going to be in the best interest of your organization. Mm -hmm. So recognize that there's going to be some bias there. Uh, and make sure you you discount that. This whole process, it sounds like it could take a while to to kind of walk through the process. I mean, how how effective was it even in pressure moments? Because a lot of people today who aren't in the military, I think it's a fantastic way to really break things down. I, I totally agree. The bias is one of the hardest things. My own personal bias. Um, how how did how did how did that work with you know if there were these pressure filled moments was it always you have plenty of time and you could still go through this? Nope, never have plenty of time. <laughs> um, and so yeah, in those in those pressure moments, um, I I just had to compact that timeline uh, and you know go with here are the facts that I have right now. Gotcha. Uh, here's what potentially could happen. 
But then you you know, kidding, you got to make the decision to move on because you don't you don't always get time. But you also have people around you that I I've never been around folks that just didn't want to do good. You know, they just <laughs> so you get you get around people and they're going to have you want their input, too, because you're not going to have you're not going to have everything up here. No, you want their input. But in that pressure situation, give me your input. Got it. Got it. OK, let's go. This is what we're going to do. You know, I mean, it doesn't happen that quick, but I have been put in those situations where, yeah, you're you're you've got uh, you've got very, very, very limited time uh, to make the decision. And so take what you have, get some input from others that know the facts, know what's going on, uh, and then make that decision. And, and I think the important part, again, is just recognizing. I was just telling you about uh, before we came on camera, uh, my uh, my trip to Jackson State University last yeah. week yes. and, you know, addressing the uh, the commissioning cadets from Air Force ROTC. Uh, and one of the things we we uh, talked about was, you know, one, hey, you can't quit. But I did have one of the cadets ask me, you know, what what are the things that you would tell yourself 30 something years later or 30 something years earlier that, you know, now? Because as they're getting ready, they're second lieutenants now and they're getting ready to walk in and into some leadership positions. I said, you have to remind yourself, you don't know everything. You are not the expert and you're not expected to be the expert. So there are yeah. those around you that are going to help you out. They're going to provide some of their expertise to help you out, but never walk in that situation, walk in a situation thinking that you know everything and you're the expert because mm -hmm. you're not. And you have yeah. to learn to collaborate with others. And Absolutely. so when you talk about those pressure situations, I don't know everything. I didn't know everything. And I had help from others in order for, in order for me to really make that decision to move on. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. As you were talking to, I was thinking about, obviously you have great confidence in yourself. You're not obviously cocky or anything, but great confidence. I think a lot of times people can struggle. Like when you do make a poor decision and one, one way I think about this, uh, listen to a lot of sports uh, podcasts so quarterbacks, you know, they throw an interception and you can only throw a couple of those and still maybe win the game. Um, but somehow, you know, 30 years and you talked about that, there were mistakes you made and yet you just kept going forward. What wisdom would you want to tell people who kind of get stuck in the past? Like they start second guessing themselves, like they can go through this whole process, but then they're still like, you still have to make that ultimate decision of, OK, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. Uh, any thoughts with that for the for the person who seems to kind of get worried about, well, I, I messed up last time. So how is it going to be different this time? Well, if you if you stop and you're you're hung up on second guessing and you're just trying to do this deep dive into what happened, that that's that's OK. But when you're doing that, everything else is moving forward. Nothing is stopping with you. Everything else is moving forward. So you got to take that time. Okay, I got it. I learned from it. Uh, now I got to move on. But if you're stuck in that process of always second guessing, things are moving forward. And that's not leadership. Leadership is not stagnant. And when you're sitting there second guessing, you are being stagnant and you're not going to be able to be an effective leader. Yeah. So learn from the mistake and then keep it moving. 
Because yeah. that therefore you will gain uh, you will gain greater knowledge and understanding, and you will know how to be more effective as you move forward. Mm-hmm. Very nice. We got about five minutes left. Um, I, I got some other thoughts I want to share. Get to you real quickly here. Uh, are you using any kind of uh, particular planner? Uh, we've talked about discipline and and your day and your 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 you're on a regiment. Do you have any uh, particular thing that you're using that's been effective for you that others could do as well? Um, so I just really I, I use a calendar. Um, I use a calendar for you know it's like one part and then my notes as another part. And because what what's What's cool is that I, all my appointments, everything that I'm doing, I'm putting in this calendar and my wife can come in the office and look at my calendar to make sure that things are deconflicted. If we have something going on that I may have missed or something that has just come up. Yeah. So I use that. It's very important. And then I just have my daily notes uh, that I take huh. and then I'm doing some uh, I'm doing some consulting on the side. So I have a different folder for each project. And that's where my notes for those projects are going to be and try to keep uh, organized. I'm not a master organizer, uh, <laughs> but my wife says I'm sometimes just a little bit OCD. So, you know, it's, it's you can come in and look at my look at my schedule, but, but please don't touch anything else on my desk. <laughs> You gave me a couple of book recommendations with the time that we've talked uh, offline here. Um, the Endless Pursuit of Hurry, um, if I'm pronoun- if I'm remembering the exact title. Well, the Ruthless the ruthless, ruthless Elimination. Elimination. Okay, sorry about that. So I've listened to that twice. It's been really good. Any other book recommendations for me or for the audience? Um, I have, uh, let's see, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And then I, I've read the Servant Leadership by uh, John C. Hunter, okay. uh, which which I like. Um, before I went off to college, I asked my father, I said, "Hey, Dad, what 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 would you recommend I read while I'm at college? You know, making sure I stay grounded." He said, uh, "Just continue read the Book of Proverbs over and over." Yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> read that the Book of Book. That's right. I love it. I love it. Where yeah. can people find you, Ron? You mentioned your consulting service. Um, where can people find you? Um, are you on social media? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I don't. So I, I need to. I need to get with the program for the social media. <laughs> they can. They can find me on LinkedIn, though. So okay. I'm on LinkedIn, and I think uh, my LinkedIn will give you a uh, give you a link to my website, which I still have to uh, work on and continue gotcha. to improve. You know, but they can they can find me there. Facebook. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing about Facebook, I didn't I, I had a Facebook account back in 2010, I think is when I opened it up. And then yeah. I then I was like, I don't I don't really like this. Someone went out and made a fake fake Facebook account. So uh-huh. there's a fake one out there that has me in uh, in uniform, but it's not it's not it's me. not you. Gotcha. It's not me. But then there is another one out there that every now and then I'll I'll go out and post something or say thank you to somebody. Yeah. Um, but really, it's a uh, I actually like LinkedIn because it's it's really business oriented. Yeah. Uh, and as I'm trying to uh, just consult, but also I'm out there. Um, I'm going to take a full time position here uh, probably within the next few months. 
Nice. My wife said, you just can't sit around for more than five minutes. <laughs> so are that. you talking about a full-time position back in the services in the air force? Um, no, it'll be, uh, it'll be a private sector. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Or, or defense contractor. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you got a lot to offer and I really appreciate you, Ron. And, um, this has been a pleasure. You have helped me today. I know you're going to help so many other people who are listening to this as well. You were able to speak at Jackson State University. You gave them some words of wisdom. Final thought for the audience. What do you want people to, to remember as we wrap this up? Well, since we were since we were talking a lot about leadership, you know, just if you want to be a leader, then go do and be a leader. Uh, but know that uh, we are all imperfect individuals and we make mistakes, but learn from the mistake and then just get out there and keep leading and taking care of the people that you lead. And I think you'll be successful when you do that. Yeah. Thank you, Ron. You bet, man. This is fun. It was. It was. Absolutely. I'll have to do it again sometime. I appreciate you. I'm open to it. All right. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless.